everyone. This is Christelle Niles. Welcome to the second episode of the Gilles in the Air podcast. Today, I have the pleasure to meet with Professor Kirsten Mullerval, who is a specialist in neurology and adult psychiatry and lead of the Tourette Syndrome Department at Hanover Medical School. She has done lots of research about cannabis-based medicine in Tourette Syndrome, and today she will tell us all about it. Hi, Kirsten. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. We are also delighted to have Dr. Natalia Shaiko with us. Dr. Shaiko is a clinical and research very experienced fellow in movement disorders in Calgary, Canada. And she's also the treasurer of ESTS. Hi, Natalia. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks, Crystal. Thanks for having us. Natalia, I believe you had a few questions for Kirsten. Uh, today, we have a pleasure to have Kirsten, who is really an experienced researcher in the area of cannabis-based medicine and Tourette syndrome. So I think it's a great topic uh, that is very popular nowadays uh, among patients, but also uh, healthcare providers. So first, I wanted to ask you, Kirsten, how did the interest about cannabis-based medicine and Tourette syndrome start? So this is very simple because, um, as you all know, Tourette syndrome is still a clinical diagnosis. So we ask our patients a lot of questions about clinical aspects of tics. And one of the questions is what makes the tics better and what makes the tics worse? And when I'm asking this question more than 30 years ago to my patients, a lot of patients answered that when using cannabis, that improves the tics. And this uh, started my interest in this topic. And thereafter, we started an interview and asked our patients actively about prior use of cannabis and asked about clinical effects. And this was the beginning of the whole story. Great. Wonderful. And um, well, we know that still there is, you know, this uh, great question about pathophysiology of Tourette syndrome, uh, which is not resolved yet. And do we know something about the, um, the importance um, the impact of endocannabinoid system in pathophysiology of Tourette syndrome? Yes, this is really a very important and very interesting aspect, at least in my opinion, because um, this endocannabinoid system has been um, detected only recently. So it's a more or less new neurotransmitter system in our brains. And what is now clear today is that this system is not only the most important stress regulatory system in our body and also in the brain, but it's also a very important neuromodulatory system. So in other words, all neurotransmitters are influenced by this endocannabinoid system. And um, when thinking about the underlying cause of Tourette syndrome, then you can speculate that this system might be involved in TS pathology. And indeed, in one of our studies, we were able to demonstrate that there's alteration in the levels of endocannabinoids in um, patients' um, cerebral, uh, cerebrospinal fluid. Excellent. Uh, this sounds very exciting. And how about the current evidence for the use of cannabis-based medicine for treatment of ticks? Are there a lot of studies confirming it? Um, I wouldn't say a lot of studies, but there are some studies. And interestingly, when we compare the database to other compounds we routinely use in um, Tourette patients, the database is not that bad. So we have a few small 
control trials suggesting that uh, THC-containing cannabis-based medicines are effective. And only recently, we were able to complete a large control trial, including nearly 100 patients. So formally, this study unfortunately failed to demonstrate um, positive effects, but um, we re reached, uh, let's say, at a borderline significance. And when looking at the descriptive data, you see a, a really a huge difference between the effects in the placebo group compared to the um, cannabis group. But formally, this study was negative. Another interesting point in our subgroup analysis in the studies was that there was a better improvement of ticks in male patients and in those patients suffering from comorbid ADHD. And this is completely in line with my clinical experience. So in other words, I have a lot of male patients with comorbid ADHD who benefit from cannabis-based treatment. But definitely we need further control trials to confirm this preliminary data. Mm, okay, that's really interesting. You mentioned ADHD because I, I was wondering um, about cannabis-based medicine and comorbid psychiatric disorders. Can it be also helpful in other um, comorbidities? Yes, so there's a, um, a lot of data and speculation about um, effects of cannabinoids in psychiatric disorders. So um, the database is weak, but we know that a lot of patients use kind of self-medication with cannabis to treat different psychiatric symptoms. And this indeed includes not only ADHD, but also OCD, depression and anxiety. So um, from my clinical experience, I would say um, cannabis is effective in ADHD but we have only one small controlled trial. And this study, again, but it was uh, only about uh, 30 patients, was negative and only in secondary endpoints there were positive results. So once again, unfortunately, the database is weak, but there's definitely urgent need to investigate this in further detail because our patients use cannabis as self-medication and therefore we should know whether this is effective, yes or no. Hmm, very interesting. And patients and providers are sometimes worried about side effects of this uh, treatment. I'm sure they tell you that all the time. What are really the most common side effects? Hmm. So when we, we have to differentiate between uh, THC and CBD, CBD is very well tolerated and you can use it in high dosages without any side effects. Um, most side effects come from THC and this definitely depends on the content of THC and the dosage. Um, but the most common side effects are definitely sedation, dizziness and, uh, dizziness and drowsiness. So in other words, cannabinoids, even THC are well tolerated and definitely safe medications. Great. And well, my many of my patients, you know, they actually come for the first uh, visit and already ask about cannabis-based medicine. Uh, but I presume that you shouldn't start it at the very beginning. Uh, when would you actually consider treatment with cannabis-based medicine in Tourette syndrome? Hmm. So this question definitely depends on where you are located and which possibilities you have. So um, here in Germany, I'm allowed to 
prescribe cannabis-based medicine. And in uh, specific situations, even health insurances cover the cost for this. But um, this um, regulatory aspects I have to take into consideration. So um, my approach is very uh, simple and completely in line with our European ESTS guidelines. So first, I recommend behavioral therapy. Thereafter, I recommend first-line treatment with established uh, medications. So in other words, aripiprazole. But in those patients where this treatment is not effective or not well-tolerated, I suggest cannabis-based medicine. One exception, I also have patients who ask for cannabis-based medicine when they come for the first visit here to my clinic. And some of these patients already used cannabis illegally from the street market. And if they um, report tremendous beneficial effects and if treatment can be established, I see no reason why to recommend antipsychotics where we know that this treatment has limited effects and is not well tolerated in all of our patients. Sure, that sounds very reasonable. I, I totally agree. And in the recent published um, randomized control trial that you already mentioned uh, by your group, in which you demonstrated you actually, while well, it was dedicated to the nabiximals, and basically, in other studies, also dronabinol was used. So there are also other randomized controlled trials in which uh, medicinal cannabis was administered. So what is actually the best cannabis-based medicine for treatment of ticks? What do you think? <laughs> So this question cannot be answered today because we do not have the data. But one thing is absolutely clear. Um, we need THC-containing drugs. So in other words, you can use dronabinol. This is only a Another word for THC, you also can use cannabis extracts that contain THC, but you also can use cannabis flowers containing THC. In my clinical experience, I would say THC dominant products are more effective compared to balanced products. And it's also definitely clear that pure CBD without any THC is not effective in this indication. And so I was wondering about the doses. Do you have any recommendation uh, how to start these treatments and carry it out later on? Hmm. So there is general agreement that in cannabis-based medicine, you should um, start low, low and go slow. Um, and this recommendation is also true in um, our Tourette patients. So on average, people recommend um, 2.5 milligram THC per day in the beginning and only in elderly, in children, in patients using other uh, compounds, you should start with a lower dose, for example, one milligram THC per day. And then you can uptitrate so slowly. So um, I normally recommend to increase the dose by 2.5 milligram every three to five days. And typically patients um, have effects when they use 
about five milligram THC per day. And then I recommend to increase the dosage until they feel a tick reduction or until they feel um, side effects. And then you have to discuss with the patient um, whether this effect is um, beneficial, yes or no. You have to inform the patients about um, tolerance because um, when they start low, go slow, um, there's often a tolerance against um, side effects like sedation and drowsiness. And then you have to discuss with the patient how long the medication lasts. This is different from patient to patient. And with all this information, you can then decide on the final dosage and on the number of intakes per day. So on average, I would say you often have um, dosages between 10 and 20 milligram THC when you use pure oral THC or cannabis extracts. And this is, of course, different when you use cannabis flowers for inhalation. You also have to um, take into consideration whether the patient is cannabis naive or not. If the patient is used to you to take cannabis, then of course you can start a little bit um, faster. I see. Uh, I was also wondering for a moment about um, particular medicinal cannabis strains that you would recommend. But I guess you already answered this question that uh, preferably we should start with uh, those that are THC dominant, right? Yes, yes. So um, there's a lot of discussion about cannabis strains or uh, chemovars, how we call it today, and no one exactly knows what's the best flower for which indication. And um, today it's not clear whether there's really a difference between sativa and indica strains. And it seems that there is a lot of speculation about this, but not much is evidence-based. So in my clinical experience, I would say the most important aspect is the content of THC. And we do not have robust data to believe that the um, spectrum of minor cannabinoids, of terpenes, and so on and so on, is um, of relevance. But in the end, we do not know because we do not have data about this. I see. Well, we published together reports about um, the use of cannabis-based medicine in minors with ticks. And definitely this is a controversial topic, so some parents are asking about it. Well, in the literature, we know that um, sort of illegal use of cannabis in children, they, it can lead, you know, to some psychiatric side effects long, long term even. So often parents are also concerned. So what do you think? Could this treatment be also considered in children with ticks? I would say yes, but but means in um, only those children who are severely affected and otherwise treatment resistant. But honestly, I would recommend to use cannabis before recommending surgical therapy using deep brain stimulation. So um, in carefully selected um, minors, I think, um, yes, we should use cannabis because we have some data that this is effective. And uh, we are talking about really severely uh, 
ill patients. And yes, we have to take the uh, possible side effects into consideration. But um, we do not have data suggesting that um, there are tremendous uh, side effects um, in minors when you use cannabinoids um, in a low to medium high dose and when this medication is supervised by a medical doctor. So in other words, um, this is completely different from data we have from recreational use in children where they use uh, high dosages with very high THC contents. And um, I'm absolutely convinced that this is different from what we are doing in um, treatments in children supervised by physicians. Well, thank you so much, Kirsten and Natalia. It was very enlightening. I think we all learned a lot from you, Kirsten. Thank you for sharing and for being here today. Thank you. Um, thank you all for tuning in and keep well. The third episode of Gilles in the Air will drop soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for having us. Bye-bye.